Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So, sit back and relax, or, you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. I think until you have spent three fucking months on the goddamn road, you cannot truly appreciate what it means to sleep in your own bed. Now, I understand the privilege of having a home. I understand the privilege of having the ability to travel for work. All of these things are amazing and wonderful and furthermore, exhausting. Hey, you guys, I'm speaking to you from my own fucking home for the first time since early May. And I have a lot of feelings about that. (laughs) I hope that you have been enjoying the past few episodes over the summer. It was a trip, y'all. I'm going to be honest and say I have not even listened to a single episode that has been posted since we left. So I had a bunch of classes. I had a couple of chats with wonderful friends, all of this. And I am just walking away and leaving it all behind in the rearview mirror because of my unbelievable exhaustion (laughs) from having done all of that. So I think this episode is just going to be like a quick high to sort of try to reorient myself and check in and see how y'all are doing. So how the fuck are you doing? How has your summer been? I will tell you that living and traveling in Europe was really fascinating because so much of what grabs the headlines in the U.S. is obviously our own shit because we don't really care about anything else. Even the war that's happening, the unrest in Western Africa, all of this seems to just sort of be folded under a thick blanket of bullshit in the U.S. Whereas in Europe, you get more local stories. So the terrible fires in Italy, the insane amount of landslides and rockfalls that are happening in the the Alps and other mountain ranges due to the impact of decades and decades of Managed forests, they manage the forests well, but there's only so much you can do when you're, when wood is such a valuable commodity and there's so much turnover and so you have no old growth forests, so you have mountain ranges that are not ready to absorb astronomical amounts of rainfall and then you get mudslides and you have also the balance from the lack of snow over the last couple of seasons so you have entire villages that are out of business essentially because there's no snow so you're like that's the news that's sort of overwhelming things when you're traveling in western europe and my journey, so much of it was dedicated to making sure that I was there to support the Spousemeister in his work. But for the first time traveling in Europe, I also had a shit ton of stuff. So I was teaching in Vienna with some wonderful, amazing folks at a new venue called The Crucible. If you are traveling through that part of Europe, I highly, and you're kinky and you want to do kinky shit, I highly recommend looking them up, The Crucible Vienna. 
and an amazing group of queer, positive, all ability friendly folks who are trying to get the space off the ground. So support them if you can. They're amazing. And so I was put in touch with them by a friend, Sarah Oblinger, who is an amazing advocate for all sorts of causes and just an amazing human being, put me in touch with them. And then that just exploded and took off. So from one class, I wound up doing three classes. One of the spouse Meister was back with me for, so we were able to do that together, which was so great and so terrific and just really uplifting for me. It's definitely cool to be invited places to speak, and I love doing it, and I can't get enough, especially now that I am over my idea that I need to do my teaching and my lecturing completely within the context of kink and BDSM and leather events, because that can be so tricky and so difficult to navigate for me, especially with all of the attendant drama, because when you have humans, when you have people, when you have any sort of subculture, there's going to be drama, there's going to be interpersonal conflict, all of that. And I am just so tired (laughs) of that. Part of the reason that I decided when I ran for International Ms. Leather that I was never going to do that again. I was never going to run for a title because, oh my God, very exhausting. And for what? And then, as some of you may know, Spouse Meister and I attended a leather event that is specifically a title holder event for people who are in master and slave dynamics. And he was very moved by this and very touched and decided that he wanted us to run. And it's already proven to be like a little spicy in terms of people's opinions on that, people questioning my motivation for reversing my decision, and it wasn't my decision. I love the fact that so many people in power exchange relationships or living in this lifestyle when shit actually happens, like someone has to do something due to the will of their owner, suddenly it becomes about like, oh, you're going back on your word. You're clearly unreliable because you said you were going to do something and then you changed your mind, which is just a few years back, for example, I was invited to speak at a conference. And at the time, Georg was going through it and he wanted me to cancel. He did not want me to go anymore to this conference. And so I contacted the organizer and I said, look, I'm, it's a PE thing. This is my owner. This is what he wants. And this person like literally tried to blow me up, like went to a group, like a private group of people who are event organizers and did this whole like, I'm not naming names, but gave enough information that clearly I was identifiable and then was talking about how terrible and unreliable a human being I was. What was ironic is he came back to me actually and said later that that people were actually saying, you know what, that's actually not cool. She explained to you what the situation was. I'm just really underwhelmed by the fact that so many people in these communities want to pay lip service to certain types of relationships and then disrespect them when they see them in action, right? I see people who have very formal protocols and I see people who have very non-existent protocols and all of those lifestyles and all of those choices are very valid to me and yet there's so much judgment and there's so many people who want to come in and say well that's not how you do this and it's like motherfucker we're supposed to be sexual outlaws how the hell are you going to tell a bunch of sexual outlaws how to conduct their relationships and why why do you fucking care anyway this conflict between (laughs) seeing people who decide that they're going to dictate 
how power exchange relationships should be. And those of us who feel like we really need to be able to decide our fate on the fly and not take into account how this may appear to other folks when we're just finding our bliss is part of the motivation and the root of the motivation for the Spousemeister wanting to come in and run for this title. So that's why we're doing it. And yeah, I, it'll be fine. It'll be great. Because the reality is if we run for this title and we're not given the title, what that just means is that we who we are is not what these folks want to represent what a master and slave relationship is, in which case that sucks because I think our relationship is awesome and that's why we're running. So no harm, no foul. We're putting ourselves out there so that we can be representing for those of us who are like power slaves, who are loud and pushy and who do stand in front of and defend our owners tooth and nail and don't fall behind, fall to the wayside, kneel in a corner quietly, silently. That's who I'm out here for. And everyone else, you know what? Whatever, bitches. Whatever. I'm not trying to even fuck with that. So that's the part of it. I gotta say, I am developing an amazing appreciation and a gratitude for what I have in my life. For having a home that I love. This is a huge fucking deal because it's been a long time. I've had the fortune to have people offer me safe spaces in their house. My friend Julie Baum, when I first moved to the Bay Area, gave me a place to stay and helped me get on my feet. The evil Jewish lesbian landladies, Karen Taylor and Laura Antoniou, gave me a place to land when I first was trying to move back to New York. And those folks' generosity was what enabled me to find my own place. And in both cases, the places that I found after were perfect for me and sustained me. And so I do have a deep and profound gratitude for that. I do not... You know what? I was about to lie. I was about to say I have a unique appreciation for coming back home, but I also have a unique appreciation for finding home everywhere. Right? This is one of the reasons when people sort of take me to task for the amount of shit I have when I travel. And let me just say the following. I was traveling on the road for three full months with one large and one medium-sized suitcase, which I consider for me to be remarkable. Plus, that was four hats as well. I had four fucking hats that I was traveling with, you guys. That's a quarter of a suitcase right there, just in the hat box. So, Fuck you, people talking shit about my heavy suitcases. But the reality is when you're on the road, when you're out, when you're away, when you're having to settle into different places with different energy, different levels of cleanliness, different levels of hygiene, different levels of comfort, different levels of neighbors, different levels of sound, you gotta have something to hold on to, especially if you are like us, not neurotypical. And so, for example, not having my slippers can make me crazy because now my feet are walking on surfaces that I don't know the cleanliness of. Now I don't have to think about it. I just have my slippers. When you're jumping up and down to go find the toilet and maybe you forget that in order to get to the bathroom in this particular place, you have to walk by a wide open window with no curtains and the neighbors are right there. You want to have a bathrobe so you can have that at the foot of your bed and throw that on and know that you're going to be comfortable. 
if in the case of the spouse meister, you are an addict and you need espresso to your comfort every morning and then several times throughout the day, you're going to want to carry your coffee machine with you. So you're not worrying about the quality or whether or not something's going to be broken or whether or not a place even has a coffee machine there for you. And the most important thing that I found, especially traveling with my beloved, is remembering that we, our home for one another, we are home for each other. And part of what's important for me is making sure that he's comfortable and he's okay, because he's my home. He's how I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. And it's the same for him. We had a couple of weeks during the trip where he had a visit with his youngest kid from his third marriage, who unfortunately, due to COVID and due to the bitchassery of her mother, who has launched a campaign of trying to destroy her child's relationship with her ex-husband, because, you know, that's really productive and good for the kid. Yeah, it's really good to undermine your relationship with your ex so that you can demonstrate your power over your child to your ex-husband, meanwhile doing the most harm to the kid, right? So that's really great. And due to a lot of uncooperativeness, <laughs> he was not able to see her through the pandemic because she was in Japan and their rules were insane. And you really need to have someone on the ground there who's willing to help you through the quarantine, the way the quarantine was set up. Someone needs to assist you in terms of getting food and all of these things. And she was not willing to do that. So he did not see her. Now, whether that was the influence of the mother or whether that was teenage angst, who knows. But he did finally get to see her. And that period of time took place over the what would be the celebration of my birthday and our anniversary. So we were apart for that, which really bummed me out. But I was really glad that my dear and wonderful friend Rebecca came to hang out with me. So I was not by myself on my birthday, which was nice. It's nice to have someone there supporting you. And it was also interesting to realize how quickly I missed him. Because on the one hand, I feel like, oh, my God, I see you all the time. Whatever. Go. Fine. Be with your kid. But then, like, after, like, four or five days, I was really feeling bummed out. Like, I missed him. And it was not just him. It was home. It was the sensation of having my person, the scent of whom I know, the sound of whom I know, his breathing I know at night. And these are all things that comfort me and let me know that I'm okay in the world when the world is not okay. So despite the fact that it made me kind of sad for a while, I really was grateful because it can become very easy when you spend so much time with someone just day-to-day, the quotidian, in-and-out, boring shit, right? To maybe start to take that for granted. And I was really glad to be able to realize that I... Not only do I not want to take it for granted, I don't. I really do have such a profound and remarkable appreciation for who he is and who we are together, right? Which brings me to the fact that we have now completed watching... Steven Universe, something that I really was sort of excited for him to come and watch with me. And I had started rewatching the series because I just needed that in my life again. And he said, you know what? I would like to watch it too and really got into it. 
And I was so stoked about that because there's so many analogies and there's so much that's so beautiful in that series that I kind of missed having the most important person in my life not know the ins and outs of the references and the discussions that that spring up from that. So if you are not aware of Steven Universe, my God, go right now, get it on Hulu, on Amazon Prime, on Cartoon Network, on I believe Netflix as well. It's available pretty much everywhere. And it is an animated series and it is important to the health of humanity. (laughs) And I'm not fucking kidding, for real. There's so much about this series that really is just emotionally and spiritually healing. And it was so beautiful just to watch it with him and to have that experience again of seeing it for the first time and understanding so much about a cartoon that's about chosen family and about love and is irretrievably queer and feminist and all of the things and musical and all the things that I love. And yeah, so I recommend it. Go watch it. Please, oh my God, if you have not seen Steven Universe, I implore you to watch it. I should just do like, maybe I should just do like Steven Universe review rundowns because I think I might start watching it again and maybe I'll have a little thing where I'll do like at the beginning of the show just do like and here are the episodes that whatever would you be interested in that would people do that is that something folks do I know that people on YouTube are perpetually like having side channels where they're like and you know what this is my fucking this is why it's called all that and mo yes I can talk about Steven Universe and frankly There is so much crossover and so much about DS and MS and kink and SM and relationship dynamics and power exchange and chosen family and conflict and trauma and childhood trauma all through this series that anyone who is a human who struggles with anything really needs to see it. Anyone who has ever been in love, anyone who's ever having their heart broken, anyone who's ever been a parent or a child, anyone who has ever had a relationship that lured you with its toxicity, right? Like, it's got every motherfucking thing. It's all in there, y'all. So please do go ahead and watch it. So yeah, so Spouse and I watched it. We're through the main series, and now we have, I think it's just called Steven Universe, a movie, whatever. And then Steven Universe Future, which is the 10-episode wrap-up that brings back, it ties in everything from the series, a movie, and then gives you a bit of closure for moving on with your life after the best series that has ever been produced is over, which is heartbreaking and devastating, right? Like, I have a similar thing happen actually with Samurai Jack, which is another cartoon that I absolutely love. And it ran for a few years and then just abruptly stopped. And then finally, after five or six years, they brought back Jendi Tartakovsky to finish it with a 10 episode wrap up. And Poor Spousemeister, like, I, and I told him, I was like, I think I'm going to cry a lot after this is done, but I had no idea how, in addition to just the sadness of the nostalgia of the series being done, the arc that they put in this 10-episode conclusion for Samurai Jack was so fucking eviscerating. It was everything, like, it was like they went there, like, what will make Melina cry for, like, a week? What can we, what can we, let's see. Yeah, let's put that, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. And now add a love story in there. Okay, great. Awesome. Fantastic. And she's devastated. Congratulations to everyone, right? It was, holy shit, it was so goddamn much. It was so much. 
But similarly, I did. I, I cried my fucking eyeballs out at the end of that. And similarly for Steven Universe. And it was crazy because, like, I was so heartbroken that, like, you would think I would find solace in going back and watching it again. But I actually couldn't for, like, a year. I couldn't watch any episodes. I couldn't even watch, like, my fave episodes that I turn to when I just want, like, a little something to... No, it was all just so devastating to me. I think it was really similar to when Prince passed away. I just, I couldn't listen to his music, which was the worst, because here I was mourning the most important musician to me continuously in my life for the longest period of time, and I couldn't even find comfort in his music because it was just that much more devastating to listen to. Oh my God, so fucking nuts, yeah. That was, God, my train of thought. Oh, middle-aged brain. Why? What else was I going to talk about? I had something else I was going to talk about. Oh, God, yes. Speaking of current events, I realize I have not said anything on social media about the current controversy surrounding Lizzo, singer, songwriter, flautist, who is embroiled in a really ugly-looking lawsuit brought by some of her dancers of sexual harassment and badness. And I realized several things. I realized, first of all, that I had, earlier this year, had a moment where I wanted to post something pertaining to her, and I just paused, and I just sort of held back, and I was like, I don't know, I don't... And I don't know why. And I went to look back, and I was like, realized that I had not really... My, my fandom had kind of faded a little bit, and I wasn't sure why that was. And I don't know if I had picked up on something or there was a vibe going on or maybe... I don't know what it was, but like I legit, when this dropped, I was sad, I was disappointed, but I wasn't like shocked or horrified, and I realized that I had myself been pulling back a bit from the fandom. And then when this dropped, because normally when I see a celebrity accused of some shit, I'm always like, believe the victim. And I did not believe them, but I had this like just stuck moment of being stuck. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I woke up a couple days later and I said, ah, yes, it's because of my history. It's because of my history. Because you see, I myself years ago, when I was still working in corporate life, corporate America, I was accused of creating a hostile work environment and sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior and doing harm to a fellow employee, another woman who brought charges against me to Wells Fargo. And this was a woman who up until the morning that I was taken into my manager's office, a friend, someone who I loved and trusted and hung out with. And we had a friendship outside of work that then spilled into work. And this was the reason for the quote unquote inappropriate behavior. And so as someone who has faced these accusations myself, I realized that my first reflex was to say, wait, but what if but what if she just, but what if, and it was really hard. It was really hard for me to cope with that because of my own experience, because of the fact that technically, legally, on paper, yeah, the shit that we were doing, the shit that this woman, this someone who I'd taken to be a friend, Sally, had done and said, I had done and said, were correct. But the reality was 
the reason that those things were done and said was because we had such a comfortable relationship. Maybe you've had, maybe you've been in that position where you've had a friend who you made it work and then your friendship moves back into the workplace. And so all the like raunchy jokes and humor and all the bullshit that you do outside of work suddenly is back in work. Is it appropriate? No. Do you expect that your friend who you love and trust is going to turn around and take your friendship shit and turn you over to fucking the cops because of it? No, you also don't think that. But you know what? You live and you fucking learn. And the reality is I had to take the hit for this shit. What made me very sad was that so many people who were friends of mine supported me kind of. They were like, well, Mo, you were wrong, but she was wrong too. It's both of you. And I was like, but I did not act in bad faith. And she did. She acted in very bad faith. All of this is to say the reality is while the allegations against me were on paper shocking and horrible, the reality was twofold. When the investigation was conducted against me and other people in the office were brought in and carefully questioned in terms of what they had seen and observed, each and every one of them assumed that whatever controversy was going on was centered around Sally, not around me, because her reputation as being a troublemaker, as being raunchy, as being loudmouthed, as being inappropriate, had preceded my tenure there. What she did not anticipate was the fact that her past would come up and bite her in the ass. The second thing she did wrong was to send me a series of emails thanking me for our friendship and praising me for the advice that I had given to, advice that she then turned around and made into harassment. And so I could prove that in writing, I had means to assume that she was welcoming of, accepting of, and grateful for my quote-unquote harassment of her. And so when she went to tearfully to management saying that I was twisting her arm and, and yelling at her that she needed to masturbate, was trying to dictate to her sexual things she should do, and I could turn around and show her the email where actually the discussion was about the fact that she was really sexually promiscuous and assuming that this was the only way for her to get her sexual needs gratified. And I said, look, those are things maybe you should do for yourself and not assume that you need a man to do those things. Maybe you should try just doing it yourself. And then we went down to Good Vibrations and bought vibrators and had a great afternoon. And then she wrote me this email thanking me for it. And then, I don't know, stupidly turned around and reported me to management for this exact same shit. So my first thought process was to be a little bit defensive, to say, wait a second. But the reality is, in my case, I was not a wealthy and powerful woman who was in charge of the essentially the financial destiny of this other person. In fact, I was, in terms of structure, subordinate to her. She had more seniority than I did. She had supervisory power that I didn't have. So to create a hostile work environment was not necessarily something I had the power to do to the degree that I was being accused. So what happened, ultimately what happened was while it looked like on paper I should have been fired, and that was what she was trying to do, this woman was trying to get me removed from the office, I received a very strong warning. I was escalated directly from verbal to written to second written to final notice. But I was not fired. And in fact, she was also written up herself and received a reprimand for her behavior. And rather than leaving and crawling away with my tail between my legs, I 
stuck out my suspension and I came back to work because I knew she would not be able to ever fucking face me. And the day I came back, she went on sabbatical and never returned. And the day her sabbatical expired and she was released from work, I then handed in my resignation to my boss. I stayed in Wells Fargo, though. I just moved to another department in another city. So that's the end of that story. And that's the very short version. And perhaps this is yet another thing that I'll go back and expand on one day, but probably not because it's just a gross and dark, (laughs) nasty section of history of my life. And it's also part of the reason why I took pause when I first heard the stories. And I said, oh, I, yeah, I hope it's not. And then I realized that the fact that her immediate PR move was to deny all the allegations versus saying maybe there was a miscommunication, maybe something happened, I felt might have been a misstep and further buried her in this mire. So we will see what happens. I hope that she is able to grow and learn from this because she has such an amazing talent and it would really suck if it's buried under this and she does not learn how to grow, apologize, move forward, take the hit, whatever hit is warranted. But man, that sucks. So I guess that's my wrap up for now. I got a bunch of other shit in the works coming up. So I'll have some more episodes in the can soon. God, how I missed being able to just sit casually and do this without having to scramble and figure out this tech and that tech and everything else. I love you so much. And I hope that you are doing whatever it takes to stay as close to sane as you can. Whatever that even fucking means, right? I don't even know what it means for myself anymore. But a lot is going on out there, y'all. So please be gentle with yourselves. Please, please be kind to yourself. I'm saying this also to me because I am a fucking brutalitarian against myself. I am a maniac and I need to be nicer. So if I need to be nicer to me, probably some of y'all out there need to be nicer to you. So I want to take a deep breath and remind you to hydrate and to take a bath when you can, take a shower Soak yourself, rinse off, get all of that negative energy off of you and put the positive energy of me loving you from far away into you. You feel it? Oh yeah, that's it. That's me. That's me right there. (laughs) I love y'all and I will talk to you so very soon. You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon. Mm-hmm.